What's going on, guys? Your host, your boy, George Mackay, here, pre-recorded as I always do. And as you can see on the screen, you won't be able to hear it on the audio, but as you can see on the screen, if you're watching my YouTube or if you're listening via podcast, I'll let her introduce herself shortly. But I have a very big guest. I'm honored to bring her to Straight Talk Wrestling. Please welcome. Well, you know what? You can see her on the screen, so I'm going to let her introduce herself via audio for the podcast platforms. Go ahead, my dear. Introduce yourself. It's Vicky Guerrero. Excuse me! Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, I haven't heard... The crowd goes absolutely insane. Welcome to Straight Talk Wrestling. Thank you so much for the time today. How have you been? How are you? I am, I am great, George. Thank you for having me. After all the technical difficulties, I beat up my computer and it finally worked for me. <laughs> she was she was getting pretty cussy, guys. We're not gonna we're gonna limit the swearing right now, but she was getting pretty she was getting frustrated. But you know what? We did what everyone else does in these situations. We rebooted the computers, and now we're seeing each other. It's perfect. It's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> so, Vicky, I wanted to ask because there's so much about your career that's already out there. As everybody knows, you are the uh, wife of the late, great Eddie Guerrero. May he rest in peace. Uh, one of the best that ever did it. Absolutely, hands down, one of my favorites. Uh, I was actually preparing for this interview. I was going back through your career and his career. And one of my favorite storylines was actually our introduction as wrestling fans to you, which was the fight for Dominic, the custody <laughs> battle that everybody remembers. Uh, you were you came in as to try to stop him from telling the secret. But um, and then from there, obviously, we know the tragic events that occurred a few years later. And then a couple months after that with Chris Benoit, which I definitely wanted to touch on with you about Dark Side of the Ring and all that kind of stuff. But one thing I do want to touch on right off the bat is... I mean, you've been in this business for so long. You've been in it on the outside perspective of being a wife of a wrestler, busy schedule, you having to pick up all the slack at home, to you yourself getting in the business, progressing as probably one of the most entertaining GMs on both Raw and SmackDown, and then kind of stepping back a little bit. And then recently, last year, tail end of last year, we saw you on an episode of AEW Dark. And there was a little bit of controversy there that I know you've spoken on about a lot of podcasts, but I want to get your perspective. So when you appeared in the December 19th ish, uh, edition of AEW Dark, there was something that happened with WWE. Am I am I right in that? As in they kind of stopped answering your emails. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I went to All Elite Wrestling, it was just a fluke. I was in Dallas for a meeting and um, Brandy Rhodes called and said, hey, you want to come to the show? And I thought it was about hanging out and seeing everybody and meeting new faces. I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. And then she's like, well, you want to do some commentating? And I thought, absolutely, I would love to. And I didn't, I didn't have a contract with anybody. So, and if I did, I wouldn't have shown up to Ali Lee because that's not what you do as a professional. Um, so I went with a lot of confidence. I was excited. And um, I was interviewing people for my podcast before that. And um, after I appeared on AEW Dark, I was asking um, actually one of the superstars if he could be on my show. And um, he said, sure, great. Let me just ask WWE. And I had been trying to ask WWE for a while before I even went to AEW just for permission to have their superstars on my show. I don't like to go behind anyone's backs. I'm very upfront and forward, and I like to be on the same page as everyone. So if I call a superstar, I know that I would have that promotion's blessing 
of having that permission to have them on the show. And WWE never reached out to me. They never gave me a confirmation. Sure, you can have it. Um, you know, you have our blessing. And not that we were on any ill feelings or anything, but they weren't answering me back, and I didn't understand why. But it's not unusual that they don't answer a call either. But anyway, so when I asked a certain superstar, you know, to be on my show, he called me back about a few days later and said, hey, well, um, Mark Carano from WWE told me to tell you that you're banned from the superstars because you showed up on All Elite. And so I was like, really? You know, and it, it kind of it hurt my feelings because I've never done anything to them. And you know, George, as being a podcaster, that when you have people on your show, it's about promoting them. It's about making them the highlight and getting their career out there so people can learn more about the superstars. So there was no monetary obligation I was asking from them. I just wanted to interview everyone that I could because there's a lot of wrestlers out there from all promotions that would give great content. Um, so I got the message loud and clear, and there was a few other people from WWE that I couldn't interview, and I let them know that WWE said that I wasn't allowed to interview them. And I went on my podcast and just gave my own story because, you know, I've, I've been, I gave them almost 20 years with between Eddie and I, and I was kind of, you know, pissed off, but then at the same time, I didn't need a hug from them to value my career or what I could do after WWE. So if, if I interview anyone after WWE, it's because they've been released or they're not active or they're already retired. So I stay away from WWE and, and I do not choose to go back to WWE because, um, you know, it's just, I know the politics and I know the you know, how it works over there. And just like in any promotion, you know, I would want to work hand in hand and, you know, give everybody a great interview. But um, there's a lot of other great content and other promotions uh, to interview wrestlers and other celebrities. And so I'm having a great time. You know, I'm not going to let them, you know, turn out my candle, so to speak, you know. So I'm going full speed ahead and I wish them well, but um, I'm on my own now, you know, so all is good. That's fantastic. You know what? You, the way you're holding your head high and you're not, you're not, you're not shitting on them. You're not talking smack about them. You're saying, you know, thank you so much for the 20 years. Uh, it's been a great ride, but now I've got a brand, I've got a platform and I'm going to go do my own thing. And I think where you are benefits you and benefits AEW because what I hear about AEW or what I've done my research on um, is that not so much is just on-screen talent. There's a lot of on-screen talent that work on their days off. They work backstage. They arrange the bus schedules. They arrange the, the hotels. So everybody's, even though it's a, it is a, a big company, everybody has another hat to play. Yeah, you're going to go out. You're going to be an on-screen talent. But as soon as you come back, you're going to wipe the sweat off your face. You're going to go and you're going to do your backstage job. And that's great to hear because when you hear about the machine that is WWE, there's like 30, 30 40 people that almost have the same job. And you have to run through all these hoops. But it's just like, it seems AEW's kind of cut it down and streamlined it. Okay, you want to talk about your hotel issues? Go see, uh, you know, go see Jungle Boy. You want to talk about uh, your paycheck didn't come through? Go see Cody. You have an issue with your on-screen time? Go see JR, so forth and so on. So in terms of your role with AEW, now that you are, now you reappeared again on May 27th, and I, I'm assuming there's going to be a bigger role in the future for you, um, what are you looking to in terms of uh, when you get in there? What are you looking to kind of get your, your hands on and kind of pass your knowledge on to when you get in there? 
Yeah, you know, George, what I want to say is that I don't wish WWE any ill feelings um, because they did provide an opportunity for me to have this great legacy, not only for um, my husband, Eddie, but for my daughter, Shaw, and my son-in-law, Aiden English. So, you know, we that was our first family, but we learned shortly after that, you know, the show goes on, so to speak, and that also includes outside of WWE. Um, but what I did see in All Elite Wrestling was just, a phenomenal structure of how they do business. I mean, you know, Tony Khan is the owner of um, All Elite, and then you have uh, Cody and you know Brandy and Chris Jericho and uh, Jungle Boy and Matt and Nick Jackson. They are in the hallways, and they are available for all the superstars to be able to talk to them about creative or whatever it is that's going on in the show. And they're not in the office with 20 people in a line waiting to talk to them. They are they're in catering. They're at the ring, they're they're in the hallway. And when I saw this, and I saw what a wonderful atmosphere it was, um, I'm sure they have their stress and you know their ups and downs, but what they show, how these people that are leading the administration and the show, they show everyone that, hey, I'm here for you and let's talk and what ideas do you have? And it's very clear that the they're letting the superstars have their own creativity, which I think is so amazing. They're not telling each person, you're going to do this and you're this person and that's it. They're saying, okay, you're a character. Let's work on this. Let's see if it works. If it doesn't, let's try this. But they're letting these young kids and talented guys and women, you know, go out there and explore their limits and, and their boundaries and, and what it is that they want to do out there. And I think that's so important for a young wrestler or anyone that's in entertainment that they're able to feel what they're comfortable with. And, you know, from the women to the guys, it's just a fun place to see what they're working on. And, and even I got to be on a coach's call and to hear the women and to give them advice and, and see Dustin Rhodes, you know, mentor I was like, where have you guys been all these years? You know, and they've only been around for a, a year and a half now. And it's just a delight. And it's such a fun place. And I didn't want to go home when I after the last, you know, show. I was just like, I want to do this again and again. But um, I would love to manage, you know, a superstar as well as if I had to take on other opportunities. Hell yes, I would love to because this is what this business is about is sharing knowledge and advice and helping these young kids that have never been in front of a television camera. It's scary for someone that's just debuting and to have people there behind them and saying, hey, let's work on this or, you know, I'm there for you. I will watch you and I will let you know what needs to be worked on. Those are the tools that these kids need. And for me to be able to sit there and, you know, watch the women and give them advice and, you know, show them, you know, try it this way, you know, or let's do it this way. That's just such a, an enlightening experience that I got to see this whole week. And to be part of the pay-per-view for Double or Nothing, you know, I was in the audience, I had a front row seat and I yelled my head off all night and it was just a fun show and great talent superstars that are there. It is. It is absolutely uh, one of the best things in the business right now. I mean, here where I live in Canada, we have one of the best indie scenes in all of Ontario. Some of the best talent is here. And I've been pushing the crap out of all of them to try to get their spotlights on there. So now that I have you on the show, 
I can message Cody and say, hey, listen, I had Vicky. Why don't you scroll seven episodes down and you can see everybody else that's killing it in Ontario right now. <laughs> and hopefully we can get some of this Canadian talent over there because they definitely deserve to be highlighted. But one thing that you touched on that I do find super amazing is that if you look at um, how they do business, how they handle everything, the creativity really does shine through. And as we all know, there is a creative stumbling block at the other organization. We're just we're not going to mention them anymore. We're just going to say the other organization um, in terms of what you saw this week and mentoring and you manage you want to you want to manage another superstar. Would it would you prefer because when you were managing in the other organization, it was a lot of male superstars, a little bit of female, but mostly male. Given the opportunity now that we're in a new era, there is all these wonderful things happening, especially with the women in this business, who I'm a huge advocate of. I'm a very proud girl dad. I have two daughters, 10-year-old and a four-year-old. Good and luck. they are, I know, <laughs> the 10-year-old's already got the 13-year-old attitude right now. So I know you've been there. I may have to email you for some tips and be like, how did you get through it? <laughs> yeah, I'll invoice you. <laughs> I'll, I'll take, I, I will gladly pay for the advice that you could pass on to me in the parenting side of things. Awesome. But in terms of like, again, this amazing uh, evolution of, fe of females in this business and how strong and vocal and really equally they are with the men in this business. Would you, if you had the opportunity to, to kind of manage and mentor a female talent, I have an idea in my head, but I'm just curious out of the AEW roster, who would you like to kind of take under your wing if given the opportunity? Oh, gosh. You know, there's um, there's a lot of babies in AEW, and also uh, there's heels, too. Um, if you're asking for a woman, I think, um, gosh, you know, I love Nyla Rose. I think she's just an amazing monster or the beast, you know, as she calls herself. Um, and I just see that, you know, um, the, the strength these women have, you know, and, and to be able to manage one of them would be pretty cool. Uh, they do have a lot of women managers, you know, for a lot of the guys on the show, which I think is so great because it, um, they kind of work together in their own storylines. Um, as far as a guy, you know, I play the cougar and I would love to, of course, pick any cute guy that's there, you know, and then hunt and prowl for them for that championship, whatever they want. That's the that's the the genius of, of my character is I can be a general manager, a manager, or um, a cougar, you know, and use all those roles into one guy. Um, I think of Sammy Guevara, you know. I think when I worked with them for the Inner Circle, um, Chris Jericho doesn't need me, you know. Santino and Ortiz and Jack Hagar, you know, they I worked with Jack, you know, in WWE, but. Um, those guys don't need me because they're pretty forceful, but you get a, a little boy like Sammy and I could tear him up emotionally to where, you know, I think it'd be a fun storyline. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens because there's a lot of great coaches like Jerry Lynn and you got Cody and um, Dustin Rhodes and, um, you know, you have the gun, you know, Billy Gunn there. They have some great ideas. And Tony Khan is just like a, he's a fan and he loves working. It's like not even work for him, but he's like in this big circus there that he just gets so excited when he sees storylines and the show's getting ready to start. He's just jumping all around, getting all excited. So, of course, the energy, you know, flows. But whoever they put me with, whether it's even behind the scenes or in front of the camera, I would be honored to be part of that team. Yeah, I think you would fit in there well, and I, I could see uh, what the great thing is, is that there's a, 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 a complementary balance of both uh, the veterans, the old school talent, but they let the new school talent flourish, which is something the other organization doesn't really let happen too often. Um, 
And that's one of the reasons I'm such a fan is because it almost, it's got that indie feel. It's got that little bit of that indie, that raw and realism, but it's got the flair and the pop of the bigger organizations. And it's just, it's something great for fans. It kind of became a rejuvenization because we were so bored, stagnant, other than what was going on in our own backyards with the indie scenes that we all have. Uh, it, it was boring. And then all of a sudden this whole thing came up and everyone's like, there's not a competition. There is a competition. Maybe there might be a competition. We're not really sure. But whatever the case may be, what AEW is doing and what the NXT brand is doing is just, it's, it's, it's fantastic for wrestling fans in general. And yeah. that's... That's the great thing about it all. Competition well, you know, is healthy for everybody. Yeah, you know, George, also, WWE has some great talent. I mean, I have dear friends that are there. But, you know, WWE's never had a competitor on their doorstep, you know, matching them on the same night and having the same ratings, you know, that they have to compete with. And I think competition is very good for a company because it doesn't make them complacent. It makes them want to, to work even harder. And I, AEW is giving them a run for their money. And I, I think that this is a, an exciting time. And one thing that I loved about AEW is that when the COVID-19 hit and we went without an audience, you know, in the crowd, AEW brought the roster into the audience and gave it that feel that there was noise and cheering and booze going on. And I was like, that's brilliant, you know? And then later on, you know, the company up north decided to add their roster behind plexiglass. What? You know, I'm like, <laughs> really, guys? You know, but teach his own. But I, I was really proud how um, Tony just thinks of that creativity and whoever it was, you know, to bring the roster in. And that roster still gets TV time. So everyone's getting TV time and that exposure. And I just think that was brilliant on their part. Absolutely, 150%. Well, whatever the future holds with you and AEW organization, I know you're going to flourish. And I can't wait to hear one day on a regular basis, excuse me being yelled at my TV. <laughs> because you. you, as a fan, when it happened at the time, you're just like, oh, here she comes again. But now <laughs> that I haven't heard it, now that I haven't heard it in so long, I'm like, all right, cool. She's she's coming back. I love it. You I missed it. me. Got it. <laughs> Absolutely. So one thing I do want to touch on a little bit of a serious, more serious subject is um, you were recently on the premiere episodes, part one and part two of Dark Side of the Ring, uh, done by two fellow Canadians. Yay, Canada. Like hey. myself. Hey, hey, there you go. Hey. And um, they... Uh, they did such a fantastic job in researching and telling that story. Yeah. And to see you, my, the best part about the whole episode itself was even understanding the story and getting the full picture now, but hearing your side of stuff. And when you pulled out the, um, the scrapbook with the pictures of Chris and Nancy, um, and you seem to get a little bit emotional and rightfully so, of course, because they were your friends and you miss them every day. And, Despite what may have happened, I mean, from a wrestling fan perspective, he was still one of the greats of all time. Uh, Personal-wise, definitely some issues there. But talk to me about the whole process of having to re-go through all that to share with us the stories that had happened that we all didn't really know about. How hard was that process to get back into? Um, you know, that's it, it, really uh, interesting you said that because, you know, they wanted to combine the history of Eddie and Chris's friendship um, and... You know, I thought this is all about Chris Benoit. So I thought, oh, this is a piece of cake, you know, and Chris is my friend. Nancy was like my sister. And to go back and relive uh, life with Eddie was um, 
really emotional. They were planning on a three-hour interview, and it took up almost seven hours for me to get through it. So it's it's something that's very bittersweet because if it feels like yesterday Eddie has passed. You know, it doesn't seem real at times. Um, but this was such this is done so well. And my nephew Chavo uh, Jr. was you know part of this too. And Evan Husney was just incredible to kind of direct me in how he wanted this to go. And it wasn't about you know um, putting Eddie in a dark light. You know, but he wanted to hear what life was really like because him and Chris, you know, shared a lot of things that were the same demons, you know, and, and things of, you know, the drinking and the pills and stuff. And so to be able to, I loved Eddie with all my heart, you know, and, and, and he was my husband. I was very proud of the superstar he was, and he worked hard at his craft, but then when it was dark days, there were dark days and Nancy was always there for me. And so, you know, what hurts me is that when Chris, passed away so did Nancy and I was never returning that love back to her of how much support she gave me um, it was a very bittersweet project and I was we never knew how it was going to turn out you know from all the you know Evan wanted to see all the pictures and you know Chris and Nancy and the wedding um, you know you don't realize how much history you have with someone until they're gone and that's a sad part and Chris was such the legend in the wrestling industry that it's very hard for me to say I can't erase him from my life because he made a legacy in the wrestling industry. But then he was also like my brother. I mean, he had Eddie's back and he'd come over, you know, when they were in town for, in Florida and him, Nancy and Daniel would be there with David and we'd have these weekends that were family weekends. And it was just very somber to realize how much time you spend with someone and then once they're gone you know you can't take it back and say gosh I wish I could have done this over again um but it was a very uh it was a very interesting project and in how they got get everyone's output and um how they felt about you know different members that you know uh different members of the family and how they got to just relay with how they felt about Chris and Nancy um it, it was it was done really well, you know, and to see uh, Nancy's sister be able to, you know, reunite with, with David, how incredible was that? And, you know, Chris Jericho did a lot of that, you know, um, getting everyone together. So there's a lot of people that took part in this big project and they did really well. Absolutely. It was, uh, it was hard to watch as a fan, but it's something that shed a lot of light on that uh, I think everybody needed to know, not so much uh, even the way all, all the events transpired, but, what was happening inside, inside his head, and all that kind of stuff, bringing all those things to light, and and we understand and, and we miss. And one question that I wasn't sure if I should ask, but I feel like you and I were, we've got a good rapport now, is um, the Hall of Fame question's kind of been a hot topic. Some people want to talk about it, some people don't. In terms of it being a Hall of Wrestling fame, and Chris being a wrestler, also, he had his personal life, yes, and the way things ended, horrible tragedy, 100%. Do you feel, though, from the point of a wrestling perspective, that he should be in the Hall of Fame to be remembered for what he did in the ring? Absolutely. <clears throat> he deserves that without any question. Also, Nancy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, with, with WWE always wanting to... Uh, you know, save their face from being political or getting outlash from, from, you know, the fans or the community. They were sure okay to make money with Chris, you know, all the money he made for WWE. And Nancy put in her work too, you know, with all the work that she did. And I, I just think that 
you know, set aside the bad stuff that happened. But before that, Chris was such a legend. And and Nancy, you know, did amazing stuff in her career. I mean, she worked with some amazing superstars and put people on the map of what they got to do in their storylines. And I would love to see them in the Hall of Fame. And maybe if it's not WWE's, some Hall of Fame that would recognize the work that they did because, you know, by the medical studies that they showed of Chris, you know, Chris's brain, he didn't ask for those those injuries in his brain. Who who would want it to even think that something was going on in his head like that? And if I would have known that, and I, if I would have known those same effects that Eddie was going through, that uh, forgetting and he was uh, not re- being able to remember dates and 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 important you know things that were going on in his calendar. I wish I would have known those signs because I'd have been like, man, was Eddie's brain like that too? Because Eddie took those chair shots, you know. I mean, he and he did, he put his body on the line just like Chris did, and so it makes me upset that I wish we knew more about it back then about you know um, the concussions and and the brain damage from the chair shots and hitting their heads. I wish I would have known that because you know. I wish I could have saved Chris and Eddie from all those injuries, you know, and stopped, you know, those those crazy moves that they did, you know, that caused them to have those damages later on in life. Yeah, it's uh, it's an unfortunate thing, but it's it's kind of a it takes situations like that to happen for people to start paying attention, being like, okay, maybe there is something behind the scene. So <clears throat> the one good thing we could say that did come out of this is that it has opened the doors to so much more concussion protocol in the sports entertainment business, which is a lot of times we didn't have that. And it's opened a lot of doors and it's, it's, it's given longevity to careers and it's, there's been able ways to implement procedures and policies, which I mean, I guess out of everything that tragically happened, that's the one good thing we could say that did happen was that policies and procedures were put into place. And, um, I miss both Eddie and Chris every day. Uh, You know, sometimes I, I sit, uh, I'll just be like, because I'm a truck dispatcher in my regular job. I'm an essential worker right now during this COVID-19. And sometimes, because I don't, I try not to swear at work. I do swear, but I try not to swear at work. But sometimes I'll just look up and I've got, um, I've got like, I've got an old Latino heat shirt that I'm not currently wearing right now. It's in the wash. I tried to get it ready for this, but I couldn't. Hey, George, don't, I, it's all right. I saw it. And um, I was just, uh, I was sitting there going, uh, Sometimes I'll just look up and be like, orale, and I'll just say orale because that's what he used to say. And that's just a way for me to release and be like, all right, Eddie's with me. I got this. Let's get this finished so I can go home to my family. And that's and that's yes. what that's the kind of memories that I share with him. Uh, a couple more questions, and then we'll wrap it up because I do yeah. know you you have a life that you want to live. And oh, I don't want to take up I, any more of your time. Don't worry. I appreciate you. Go ahead. All right. And um, in terms of the storylines that you did in WWE, uh, again, one of my favorite storylines uh, has to be definitely with the fellow Canadian Edge. That was all <laughs> great fun that you guys did. Um, and then we, you know, again, one of my other all-time favorites, Triple H spoils the wedding party by showing you that, hey, Edge was kind of screwing around on you a little bit with Alicia Fox and all this kind of stuff. That's my damn personal favorite. Yeah, damn it. That's my personal favorite. But in terms of all the storylines that you've done and all the people that you've worked with, even from, you know, Again, the custody of Dominic down yeah. to the very end before you got fired by Stephanie McMahon on camera. What was the greatest, what was the one storyline you had the most fun with, in your opinion, through your time at WWE? Oh my gosh. You know, because every night was great because it wasn't work. It was just like, it was a big playground that I didn't know what was going to happen that night. Um, I think I'd have to give all my 
all my props to the Edge, you know, storyline because um, Edge was so good to me where I was green. I mean, he's the one who taught me how to be comfortable in the ring and where the cameras are. And he taught me so much of the, the psychological parts of the match and why things happen here and there. Um, you know, but with Edge, it was so much fun because that's where I got involved with Undertaker. And I was the only female that got tombstone by Undertaker. And so, you know, being in a coffin and, you know, Edge going crazy. And we had this scene where I was in the wheelchair and he took me all over the arena. And the stunt people at WWE had like these ramps and everything just gigged up to where Edge had all these like fun things to take me and, you know, run over me. I mean, we, we just laughed at the end of the night. And so I think to know that he could laugh with me and enjoy what he was doing, because, George, these guys are superstars and legends. I mean, this is Edge. He was, like, one of the cute guys I used to watch when I was married to Eddie. I'd be like, God, this guy's gorgeous. <laughs> and then to know that him and Eddie worked together, and then I was going to work with him, like, the stress on me was, like, I don't want to insult these guys because – they're professionals. I mean, they're ex they're experts at their craft. And for him to take me under his wing and have patience and to really have fun. And they let us have a lot of creativity, which was, it was known back then because we didn't have sponsors saying, oh, you can't hit a girl. She can't hit you. And I was okay with that because, you know, I got to beat up Edge. Edge got to beat up me. And those were fun days, you know, when there was no, you know, limitations in the ring. But um, he was just one of my favorites. And then, you know, you have Dolph Ziggler, who was just a smart ass every night. And he would, <laughs> he'd have the most serious match, you know, on the line. And he'd be cutting jokes at me on, in the corner. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, are you really cutting a joke? You know, so it was, and like, cool. You know, I mean, they were just fun um, storylines. And to work with the McMahons, like, to have these two-page dialogue promos with them. I mean, I was on my game. Like, I made sure that I had everything memorized and I was I had timing and I was doing my best because I was just I was just sit back and had to pinch myself because I was having a great time at work. Uh, not a lot of people could say that 100%, especially depending on which jobs they're working at. But yeah. you were blessed <laughs> enough to say that. And my final question, I think this is a big one, too, because it's interesting to get your perspective on this. Um, in the evolution of women in the business, like we've talked about, uh, there have been great gains, uh, one being what Impact Wrestling is doing with Tessa Blanchard as their world heavyweight champion. Uh, that's a big move. That's a huge barrier broken, for sure. Uh, we see what NXT and WWE is doing over there, for sure. Uh, now it looks like Charlotte Flair, after dropping the title just actually last night to Io Shirai in that triple threat match, Looks like she may be going the same route as Tessa Blanchard, which is going after a heavyweight championship. Uh, do I think it's a good idea? Absolutely. Do I think that they're riding the coattails and trying to take credit from Impact? 150%. But in terms of what, in seeing that, could you have imagined a, whim, a woman helming a company 10, 15 years ago? I mean, it should have happened with China, but it didn't. And we all know the history there. China was the first intercontinental champion, female, and she probably could have went on to be a world heavyweight champion had unfortunate circumstances not gone her way. And that's another one I, I advocate for all the time. I feel she should be in the Hall of Fame, not yeah. through DX, by herself. By herself. I agree. As the ninth wonder in the world. But do you, in seeing this step of evolution, could you have imagined something like that 10 years ago? Like if you and I were having this conversation 10 years ago, could you have imagined a female representing a company as the world heavyweight champion? 
No, you know, what's funny is that when I started in WWE, um, you know, these women would have these chances of, they say, oh, you know, you guys have a match tonight. And these women, um, you know, Jillian Hall and Michelle McCool and uh, Crystal Marshall and, I mean, Mickey James, they would work at this match all day. And you would see them working so hard and perfecting it. And then by the time they got to Gorilla and it was showtime, their match went from 10 minutes to two minutes to even getting ready to go on Gorilla. And they'd say, hey, we cut your match because the guys need some longer time. And to see the the frustration and how they got depressed because they were so bummed out because they didn't get to go out for the night um, was really, it was really heartbreaking to see because that's what they're there for is to wrestle. They love to wrestle. And to see that they weren't thought of as wrestlers, they were thought of as TNA and eye candy for the guys. And that's all they were that's all they were known for was these pillow fights and, you know, the bikini bashes. And, um, you know, they, they were beautiful women, but they were only seen as that and not for the talent that they had inside to be able to wrestle a good match. And so to see the evolution of these women get more TV time, and it's 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 sad because the women there before now would have loved that opportunity to have those big matches and even a main event match at WrestleMania and, you know, to even be on Raw in a main event. Now it's common. You see women everywhere, and, I, and I, I'm really happy for them. But I think back to those, you know, girls when it was 2006 or 2009 or 10 where they just struggled and it was just all about bikinis and sexy lingerie, and they were about so much more, you know. And um, and it, it was, it's sad, but, you know, to see where the women are now, you know, I'm proud of them and, you know, to know that I was before them and I kind of built a little bit of that, you know, that work, you know, to make them on have their own TV time. I think it's a pretty great time for women right now in the wrestling industry. It absolutely is. It's also a great time for fans like me who are proud girl dads because <laughs> both of my daughters are fans just like me and they watch with me. And I got to tell you, when we watched Tessa Blanchard win that title from Sally Canahan, uh, I was in tears. My wife was in tears. And my 10-year-old daughter was in tears, and she looked at me, and she said, Dad, you know, we can do this. And I told her, that's right. Anybody could do anything if you have the passion and the drive to succeed. And that leads to my absolute final question. But before I ask my final question, I do want to take this opportunity to thank Miss Vicky Guerrero for being on the show today and oh. officially let you know that you are now a member of the Straight Talk family. You have my Skype ID. I have yours. Yes. Anytime you want to come back on the show— or if you want to have me on the Excuse Me podcast, I would absolutely 150% love Awesome. That. I would love that. Yeah, let's do it. All right, perfect. <laughs> so my final question, if there's a young fan out there that's listening to this, knowing your history, knowing how much you were in the business, whether it be behind the scenes to on camera to now podcast sharing your wisdom and legacy, if there's a fan out there that's listening and wants to kind of get into the business the same kind of way you did with being the lost art of management, the lost art of valets, which is starting to research now, what would you pass on advice-wise to that young fan, male or female? Um, well, first, my advice would be that whatever character you want to develop within yourself, make sure that it's you that's happy with it and not some writer or someone else is telling you who to be. And believe in that character and research the character and Know who your friends are. Know who your enemies are. What makes you mad? What makes you, you know, um, happy? Uh, it's it's very important that you be in this wrestling industry because you love it and because you respect it and because you're going to give the work and the time to be successful. 
and not because of just what you see on TV. Um, a lot of people misconceive what we do on TV is the greatest job because it takes a lot more. It takes um, sacrificing your family to stay at home while you travel and, you know, taking the time to work on your craft and to train and to work out. And um, I think that that just takes a lot of within to be good at what you want to do. So if you want to dedicate that time and you want to, um, you know, invest everything that you have about wrestling into your heart and soul, you're going to do just fine in the business. Fantastic words of wisdom for them from the legend, Ms. Vicky Guerrero. <laughs> while we're on, while we're on the camera, let everybody know your social. So if they don't follow you, which they should be following you, but if they don't, they can have the opportunity to follow you. Oh, thanks. I'm on Instagram. I'm at uh, Guerrero underscore Vicky. On Twitter, I'm at Vicky Guerrero. I have a website, VickyGuerrero.net. My book is coming out within four or five months. Uh, it's a life of Eddie and a life after Eddie uh, being a WWE superstar. Um, gosh, and uh, I'm on Ray VIP. You can do a live Skype session with me. And yeah, guys, thank y'all for all your support. And um, if there's anything I missed, you'll find me. <laughs> You absolutely will. And while I'm on camera, please also follow me, underscore at Straight Talk. Instagram, Straight Talk Wrestling. Facebook, Straight Talk Wrestling. And, uh, you know, hopefully I get a follow for Vicky Guerrero. That would be pretty sweet, right, guys? It would be pretty huge, pretty huge. Uh, I, hear you. I hear you, George, okay? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Miss Guerrero, thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much for the conversation. I'm so honored to now consider you a friend and a colleague. And I can't wait till we can do this again. Your absolute pleasure. And one more time, please, if you can, can you just say excuse me one more time? Excuse me! And with that, guys, this video cast is in the session. Don't forget to enjoy the audio on iTunes, Google, all that good stuff. Vicky Guerrero, take care. Enjoy your evening. Thank you so much for being on Straight Talk Wrestling today. Bye, Vicky. Peace out, guys. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh!